History of GNOME. Episode 1B Bindings Back in episode 1.1 and 1.2, we talked a bit about language bindings as a resource available to GNOME application developers that did not want to deal with C as the programming language for their projects. Language bindings for GTK appear pretty much as soon as the GIMP adopted it in order to write plugins for custom image processing effects. Adding new filters just by dropping a file in a well-known location made GIMP extensible without requiring recompiling the whole application. So it's not weird that the original announcement for the GNOME project mentions applications and desktop components written in Guile. Since the very beginning, the intent was to only use C for core libraries of the GNOME platform, in order to have an application development stack consumable through programming languages other than C. Of course, best laid plans and all that. If we look at the history of the bindings in the GNOME, we can divide it into two major eras, before introspection and after introspection. We're going to concentrate on the former and leave the latter when we move on to the second chapter of the main narrative. The first few bindings for GTK making their appearance on the scene were for Objective-C, C++ and Guile. The first two were definitely easier to achieve, as both Objective-C and C++ are compatible with the C standard of the time. It was easy to build shallow abstractions over the C API, and if you needed something more complicated, you could always drop into C. Guile, on the other hand, used a Lisp grammar, and even though it managed to call into C exactly the same, you could not really expose a pointer to a C data structure and tell developers to go to town on it. So you had to be careful in both what you exposed and what you abstracted away. After Objective-C, C++ and Guile, Perl and Python bindings started to appear, as the market share for both those languages increased. The shared problem among all of them was that GTK was growing as a toolkit, and its API surface started to exceed the capacity for a single human being to encode the various entry points by reading a C header file and translating it into the intended code for each programming language to trample into the underlying library. It is a well-established fact that programmers, left to their own devices, will try to program their way out of every single problem. In this particular case, each binding started growing its own set of tools to generate code from C headers. Then, the scripts were modified to read C headers and ancillary metadata, needed to handle cases where C was sadly not enough to describe the API and the relation between widgets, like inheritance, or the idiosyncrasies of the GTK codebase, like constructor arguments, the precursor to G-objects properties, and signals. The C++ binding grew a veritable cornucopia of exceedingly 1997 decisions, like a set of encoded header files that included parsing directives and metadata alongside real C++ code, and a set of M4 macros to do text processing over the generated files to replace some of the directives, and then a lexer and a parser generated via Flex and Bison to generate C++ code out of generated headers. I looked at the early C++ bindings and I'm still in awe at the Rube Goldberg machine that was used to build them. The only things missing in the project build were a small marble, 
an hamster wheel, two pool cues and a bowling ball. Every binding, though, had their own way of generating code, and thus their own way of storing metadata to describe the GTK API. To avoid the proliferation of a ad hoc format and to provide a relatively official description of the API, GTK developers decided to settle to a common definition file, mutuated from the guile bindings. The definition file used an S expression syntax, and it described enumeration types which contained not only the C symbol but also a nickname. This is a string that could be used to map it to the numeric value. Box types, that is plain old data structures, object types, that is classes in the type system, and functions, each with its own return type and arguments. The definition files were originally a mix of handwritten changes on top of the output generated by a script that would parse the header files. This meant that they would go out of sync pretty quickly. Additionally, they were lacking a lot of ancillary information because the script did not know anything about the GTK type system. Various language bindings took the definition files and copied them into their own source repositories to tweak them to fit their own code generation steps. This introduced an additional drift into the already cumbersome process of keeping language bindings up to date with a fast-moving library like GTK. An attempt at improving and standardizing the definition file format came in the late 1999, courtesy of Elliot Lee and Ava Pennington. The S-expression syntax was maintained, but the dataset was extended to allow matching objects and namespaces, methods with classes, and parameters with their types, names, and default values. Of course, this still required generating C code out of formally agnostic S-expression file generated from C code itself. This meant that bindings for dynamic languages were all but dynamic, and that additions to the GTK API would still require an additional step in order to be consumed by anything that wasn't C or C-adjacent. For a while, though, this was good enough for application developers, and the ability to quickly write small tools or large applications in Python, Perl, or PHP, or Ruby made the GNOME platform quite attractive. Still, many applications in the GNOME project were written in C, because that's what C developers will do when given the chance. And that's what we're going to see in next week's side episode.